Welcome to the Small Steps Big Wins podcast. I'm dedicated to helping you take control of your life. Together, we'll explore practical tips, expert advice, and inspiring stories to help you overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Making small changes is possible and can lead to big results. Are you ready? Let's go do this. Hey, Matt, thanks for taking time out of your extremely busy day to join me. I am so excited. I am excited. Getting a chance to talk with you. You I'm excited, Sue. That's why I'm excited. Your your excitement (laughs) is contagious. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Well, yeah. (laughs) That's the point. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm glad I got a chance to catch up with you again because I saw you last year at Invest HerCon, the very Mm -hmm. first one that your wife and Andressa put on. And that was really exciting. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that conference was the very first conference I had gone to to start learning about my real estate investing journey. And it's really strange because through a series of events at that conference brought my life to a completely different spot a year later. So mm-hmm. I am thankful you can take back to Liz. Thank you for all I the hard work that they that. did yeah. to yeah. put that on just to know that it changed the trajectory of my life. One of them out of it was I met uh, Sarah Weaver and she's been on my podcast and she's actually coming back on my podcast. She's so. incredible. Yeah, she's oh, a she is. Friend. She's wonderful. Yeah, yeah she's, she's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to know her over the past years. Very, very, very very encouraging mm-hmm. lady. So I've been blessed to know her as well. So I checked out, like you have a YouTube channel called the landlord chronicles. Yeah. And I was checking that out on YouTube and I'm like, dude, that's like a masterclass on real estate. Like thank you, you just yeah, go there. It's well, just, it's, there's it's, just, yeah, <laughs> thank you. It took me nine years to build, you know, uh, but... you know what it shows yeah. like it shows yeah. that. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think in this day and age, a lot of us feel like, things should hockey stick overnight. And there's a great quote out there that goes, you know, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Yeah. yeah. And right yeah. there. Well, you I've know, been that's... this for almost 20 years now. So maybe mm-hmm. I doubled up, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. maybe it came with <laughs> well, overnight you... success twice. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Um, well, you have, you have a lot of things on your plate. You got a podcast, you run Del Rosa group, mm-hmm. you got the YouTube going on. I'm, I'm assuming you raise capital. You're a husband, you're a father, you've written some books, like you run, you run an empire. So what's the secret sauce behind all of that? I just sleep on Thursday. (laughs) 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 No, I, I, I just have great, I just have great people. You know, I, 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 um, it has to do with being the visionary of what it is you're building, right? It, it, I, I, everything you listed, very few of those things I did by myself, aside from writing my book, right? Like that, I mean, like I'm very proud to say Raising Private Capital is not a ghostwritten book. Um, you know, surely we had an editor to make sure I spelled all my words right and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, uh, that's one of the few, a few things I did by myself. My a YouTube channel, our podcast, our capital raising, um, you know, my parenting, all of it, I get help from those that are better at it than me, right? Um, and so, uh, I, I just try not to do, I mean, I, being a parent, I mean, that's it, a joy in some ways, it's kind of like the hardest job you'll ever love, I guess. Um, we don't use like nannies or au pairs or whatever, just Liz and I kind of co-parent. Um, we have a term called POD, right? Uh, parent on duty, right? Um, <laughs> I love it. So, how yeah. old are your, how old are your kids then? Nine just to give some context. 
Nine okay, and nine six. and six. Oh, yeah, okay. they're in the throes yeah. of it, man. I mean, oh, okay. Like I'm there. on the back end. I'm totally on the back end. My kids are I'm looking forward to those days too in some ways, but yeah. I also really want to enjoy the nine and six when they still think that I'm cool and they still like me and all that kind of thing. You yeah, know? But, yeah. They um, think you're yeah. cool when they're in their teens too. I, you Maybe. would be surprised. Um, but it's all good. That's the bottom line is, is I'm able to get a lot done is because I've, I've got, uh, I've been able to lead good people uh, and, and I've got a broad enough vision of what I want to build and what I want to create that enables good people to follow along with me and help me build it too. Yeah, that's, that's key. I mean, I think that's the one component that people miss is that they look at people like, you know, they look at people like you or they look at very successful people and they say to themselves, um, wow, that, you know, they did that. And mm -hmm. I can't do that. That person did that. And yeah, yeah. they forget that there's a whole team, you know, especially in real estate. Real estate is definitely a team sport. It is yeah, not a it solo is. sport. And you mentioned that you've been doing this for 20 years. And I know you started with a two duplex way back in the day, a 30000 yeah. private loan, $30,000 private loan. And then, you know, looking back, what... What inspired you to take that initial step and what su has surprised you the most about where you are today? Mm, a lot of things surprised me. It, I mean, like there, there's a big gap between where I were back then, where I was back then and where I am now. It's actually hard to relate to in some ways, but um, I didn't know where it was going to take me then. I didn't, I just knew it was different. I knew it was something that I wanted. I knew that, um, and, and back then, uh, my girlfriend and now wife is was uh, was pushing me a little bit in that direction because that's what that's where she knew that uh, that we could grow and she saw great things there. So I was kind of following her a lot in that in, in the very very early times. But I started to see some successes from it. It created an early success for me in that I rented out a couple of bedrooms in the house I lived in, um, and it was it enabled me to get bad debt free in about two years. So. That was probably the aha moment that I needed. Like, okay, this is great. And I thought I thought it would all be that easy from that point forward. All I just got to do is just do that over and over and over again. Now, well, you know, you, you at some point you get over your skis, and at some point you end up biting off more than you can chew, and you got to figure that out. But, um, but for the most for the most part, you know, it, it's been a good journey. And but I never saw where I was going today. I just knew that if I put one foot in front of the other and continue to solve problems and grow incrementally. I'd end up going to good places, which is what I'm doing now. I don't sit where I am now and say, okay, I want to, I got people I look up to, I have people that embody where I want to go, but I don't look at the unit count that I have or the bank account that I have or the business size that I have and say, okay, I want to be here in three, four, five, ten 10 years, whatever. I just know that I got to do the next right thing, the next right steps. I got to just keep building and growing and expanding and thinking the trajectory it's going to take me, the general direction that I want to go with it. And, and, I, and I just got to have faith that it'll, it'll carry me there, you know? Yeah. yeah. What advice, what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out like that? And, you know, you mentioned not knowing where it was going to go, but you just put one foot in front of the other. What, yeah. you know, when you don't have that clear a vision, sometimes people don't move forward. What was it for you that said, okay, I'm going to go forward. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to do it yeah. anyway. You yeah. know, what advice would you give? Well, I mean, like I, you, you got to see what's not there. Uh, you got to have a little bit of that faith, you know, big, big wins, you know, small steps, big wins. I mean, honestly, the name of your podcast kind of like speaks to a lot of my, uh, what I focused on in, in that in my life um, as I built that 
I needed to be patient. And that's what I would tell someone is that like, you're not going to just get into real estate investing and go buy a hundred unit apartment building. It'd be, it'd be really cool if you did, but it's, it's not going to happen. Just let it go. It's not going to happen. Um, you're, you're better off building and then if you use a baseball term, you know, winning the baseball game by hitting singles and doubles instead of trying to hit a home run and striking out, you know? Um, so I put one foot in front of the other and did small steps, right? You know, single family homes, small duplexes, small triplexes, raise a little bit of money. And then every time I did a deal, we'd try and like stretch up to a little bit, just to try, try and stay a little bit outside my uncomfort, my comfort zone but not so far out that I didn't know where I was or not so far out that I was like literally just going up to the roulette wheel and hope that it hits my number, you know, um, trying to get lucky versus just trying to stretch and grow. So, right. So while you, so, okay, that's, I mean, that's great advice for anybody really, you know, like those small steps. So as you were growing and you said that for each deal you did, you tried to stretch yourself just a little bit more as you were growing, who did you surround yourself with that helped you in your journey? And, and do you have any memorable mentor stories? Um, I, you know, I should have done this, but it, I didn't like align myself with a mentorship program or I didn't align myself um, I mean, I, I wished what I am building or I wish that what Liz has built under the invest her program or what I've built under DeRosa insiders. Um, I wish I was there when I first got started, but I, but I didn't align myself with that type of a, you know, it, it paid for teaching or a paid mentorship program that kind of give you the roadmap. Right. And I, I kind of poo pooed those things because it's like, oh man, I don't want to pay somebody all that kind of money, but not for nothing. The person that's built it, if they really have build a successful business, all they're really doing is just for a fee telling you how to do what they did. Right. Um, and so I wish I'd done that. I consulted with a lot of people. I talked to a lot of people that just gave me small guidances and stuff like that, but there was not, uh, unfortunately, Sue, I learned a lot of the lessons I learned through the school of hard knocks, you know, through doing it myself, trying it, beating my head against the wall and saying, huh, I'm not going to get my head through this brick wall. Let me try this, you know, not brick wall over here. And oh, hey, that works. That you know, let me keep doing that, right? So there's there was not this like light bulb mentorship moment that somebody whispered a word of wisdom my wisdom in my ear, and I said, oh, I get it. If I just you know do what they said, I, I had to learn by doing it the wrong way, you know, um, and that and that's and that probably took me longer than it should have, but it but I learned a lot. You know, uh, the, the, those lessons are now like pretty much tattooed on my arm and it makes me a good teacher now because I've done everything you're not supposed to do. Yeah. You know, you know something, Matt, I have interviewed a lot of people, not a ton compared to other podcasters, but, you know, I probably have interviewed maybe 50 or so people and mm. the older people that I've met uh, that I've talked to. And by old, I mean, they've been doing the same thing for 20, yeah. 20 years veteran. or so the seasoned yeah. veteran, not necessarily yeah. old in age, just seasoned in experience. Yeah, yeah. When they started out back then, basically their story is very similar to yours. You know, we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have this kind of mentorship. We didn't in have these day. things. In <laughs> <my> <laughs> <day>. <laughs> back in yeah. my day, you know, we yeah. <laughs> we walked to school uphill both ways, right. you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, Felt that way. yeah. yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and, but, but it's so common. And I think one of the really cool things, though, that's come out of that is for a lot of us and myself included, because I'm in the education space, is that you like you mentioned, we can accelerate 
the process for somebody else and then share with them our yeah. struggles and our losses so that they don't go ahead and duplicate that themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. but there is there definitely is value in failure. We try and convince ourselves that failure is a bad thing and we want to avoid it at all costs. I mean, you don't want to like die trying, you know, like the whole thing, like succeed or die trying. Well, geez, I don't want to die trying. That sounds like that stinks, man. You know, but like, I, I don't, I, I also, uh, you don't want to fail so much that you never get to enjoy, enjoy the fruits, right? Like if you feel like things are starting to, you know, go in the right direction or whatever it is, then yeah, man, you might, you're certainly going to fail, but as long as you kind of see the promised land way off in the distance and there's a lot of brambles and briar patches and whatever between you and the promised land. Yeah, man, keep going. And yeah, it's going to stink for a little bit, but you're going to, and you're going to have some wins or whatever, but which we did, Liz and I did. And you know, we had a lot of setbacks and unforeseen issues or whatever come up as we grew and we still do. Right. You know? Um, yeah. Oh, another, uh, what was I listening to? Um, the other day, geez, I, maybe it was the Ed Milet show or something like that. And he was talking about, the concept of problems, right? Of solving a problem or the concept of there being a problem. And I think that like something I would tell a newer investor or a newer anybody in, in entrepreneurship is you can't expect problems to go away as you grow. Um, if you feel like you're moving in the right direction and on your purpose, that's good, but you're going to have problems. Honestly, as you grow and get bigger, your problems are going to get way bigger. You know, um, like if I told myself 18 years ago when I first got started, the problems I'm going to be facing today, I'd probably pass out. They'd have to be smacking me in the face to wake me up. You know, like I'm going to have to deal with what, you know, like people stealing that much money from me. I'm going to have to deal with, you know, uh, th these kinds of what, you know, at the end of the day, you got to just learn to deal with problems. And I think that that like, the more successful you are, the bigger problems you're going to have to tackle. And I think that that probably is a gauge of success is how big of a problems you are mitigating right now. Um, because it kind of makes you a bigger person as you, yeah. as you go through them, you know? Yeah. Well, you mentioned about, yeah, you're right. And actually I do remember that Ed Milet, I listened to the same one and he did said you? the more, yeah, I did, I did. And I yeah. remember him saying that, you know, everybody's going, to yeah. what's that? We were, we were on vacation with our kids and our kids were watching a movie on the pads because that's what you do when you got a nine and six year old. You're like, here you go. <laughs> Here's the digital babysitter, right? So I made Liz listen to that at my let show. She loved it so much. She was taking notes during that yes. one episode he did talking about problems. So yeah, anyway, he did. And, and that yeah. was, well, no, that was all right. I mean, like I, I was just confirming and he did. He talked about like, if you think when you become a multimillionaire, your problems disappear, they don't, they just change oh, into different problems. Like bigger. nothing, you're always going to yeah. have the, yeah, they get bigger, you know, the more you have, what is your framework for challenges then? You know, so you just mentioned about somebody stealing from you. How do you, like, you know, some people would look at that and like you mentioned before, crumble if you saw yourself 18 years ago, what's, you know, how do you look at that? How do you, what's your, what's your framework for dealing with that? I'll, I'll tell you one thing I had to learn is that it'd be comfortable saying big numbers, right? Like back then the concept was three quarters of a million dollars. that got stolen from Liz and I like three or four years ago, right? Um, and we, and, and our, not just me and Liz, it was, it was me and Liz and our investors. Right. Um, and so 
had I told myself that a while ago, just the concept of that would have been unfathomable. Like, how did I even come across that kind of money? How does even that kind of money like get into our space? And where do I, how would I ever pay that back? What, what do I do? Right. Um, where, uh, I, I was comfortable saying the number. I still was very uncomfortable saying that it got stolen. Right. Um, but I will say that I, and this is like from, you know, the Ed Milet show, but also from just the way I've learned to live. I don't live too long in the problem. I immediately went to what is the solution? How do I mitigate this? How do I, what are my options? Um, and so I could have like, you know, I don't know if I would have gotten out of, out of my bed had I only thought about the fact that three quarters of a million dollars had got stolen from Liz and I. That's a lot of money to anybody. But if I think about, okay, what can I do? What are actions I can take? What are massive actions that I can put towards you know, getting around this thing. And we were able to solve it. We got it back. You know, mm. how about that? It took years. Awesome. We got it back. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I bet it was a learning experience along ooh. the way too. So many different ways. I mean, I have a friend that says there are opportunities in problems. So yeah. every time I get a problem that comes my way, I'm like, and, and that's exactly what you did. You found the, I could write it's another book, Sue, a, a <laughs> second, a second book. that's just called things I learned from losing three quarters of a million bucks. Yeah, that, that sounds that, like a podcast. Why don't you just come on itself. back on the podcast and you know, we'll just, we'll just do the podcast. <laughs> I, I had a friend who used to, a friend of mine used to run a show called how do you, how to lose money in real estate. And it was literally, Wow. Just about like just battle stories of like just the way real estate can kick your teeth in, uh, and that in this business. So, <laughs> well, that, that leads me to, learn. yeah, and that really leads to, to a cool question. Then, what's one thing you thought would be hard about real estate and wasn't, and what's something that you thought would be easy but wound up being really hard? Well, and, and this comes from the guy that wrote the book about raising capital. Uh, when the world got to know me as uh, a source of real estate investments for for capital, uh, raising money for real estate has become very easy, uh, and because I got a good team. But we've got a really good flow of people that come to us because they want to passively invest. So I, that was has gotten much easier and is much easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, what uh, what is harder than I thought it was going to be is um, building and scaling into new, and new, new places. It's not like, um, if we were in a different business, let's say I had a storefront that sold widgets and I decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start selling widgets, this new thing that I just thought of that complements the widget. That's kind of different, not the same, you know, a little different thing. And I'm also going to put like knickknacks on this other shelf over here and I'm going to introduce new products and just roll the stuff out. Like introducing new ventures and new product lines in I have found in business to be more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Like, well, can't you just go and go buy? I thought, let's just go build a house and sell it. Or let's go and uh, get into self-storage or let's go try fix and flips, whatever. Yeah, man, these are, and maybe just real estate or whatever, but new ventures in real estate, whatever they may be, can be extremely difficult. And that's why the lesson there that I learned is get really good at one thing and become like an expert at like one lane of traffic in real estate and become unstoppable in that, whichever one you like. It doesn't matter which one you pick because they're all good. They, they all can make you money. It's not like one's going to lose your millions and one's going to make you lots of money. You just, just got to know the tactics, right? So the lesson there is focus about on the one thing and rarely add in. But we've gotten more sophisticated and grown as a company that it's necessary to try on new things. But that growth into new things has been, I thought it'd be super simple, but it's not. 
Mm, okay. Yeah. I've, you know, I'm fa always fascinated on how people scale their real estate businesses. And, you know, you started with, and you mentioned it before, you start with single family, then you went to small multifamily, then the multifamilies turned into bigger multifamilies. And now, you know, you're just slowly... Yeah changing. Yes. Yeah. So it changed it over the years. So it's, it's funny because I hear people talk about, you know, I'm focused on the one thing, but it's really wasn't just one thing you started, then you went Never. to the next thing you went to the but next Sue, thing and you went to the next thing. What's you the made common it thread? Sound, you made it sound super elegant like that. Right. But that's not how it went down. Right. The, the way that it went down, the way that it went down was me and Liz were trying like you know, we didn't read the one thing we like, it's, it's like we wrote a book called like the nine things. Right. And so we were doing the nine things. We were trying to do some fix and flips. I've done like four dozen fix and flips in my career. Um, and so we were doing that. We were also wholesaling some deals. We we're also doing some small rentals. We also were trying to lease out an office building. Um, we also, we also, we also, right. Um, and, uh, and that, and, and I found that the continued success we had, the revenue that we got was by raising money from investors and co-joining them on ventures in long-term hold real estate, right? Everything else that I was doing was like a roulette wheel. Honestly, it was like, well, am I going to lose money today? Win money? I don't know. You know, what are we going to do? You know, no whammies, no whammies, big money, big money. Right. And sometimes the fix and flip would make you a bunch of money. Sometimes the fix and flip would kick your teeth in. Right. Um, and so I found that the, that all those other businesses were gambles and like in raising capital from investors and putting it into long-term real estate holding consistently made me money every month. I was, I was, I, I fed my family, you know, since, I mean, we've been able, I've been able to feed my family since 2013. I quit my job in 2005. In 2013 was when Liz was able to quit her job and we stopped living on her income and we had our first child as well. And she was able to be a stay-at-home mom in, until, you know, she got the invest her itch. Right. Um, but, uh, that was, we were, what we were able to feed ourselves on. Everything else was kind of like hit or miss. And so that's when we went all in on the, the other things decide, we just started to dissolve them and push them off our space and say, okay, let's not do that. Thanks. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you think you would have gotten to the, to the, the raising capital as your one thing, if you didn't at least try on some of that other stuff first, like, would you have found raising capital right out of the gate? Or did you kind no. of walk through it? Yeah. No, I had to try a bunch of other things. And I stumbled into raising capital. Like raising capital happened because some guy that Liz went to college with, was she, she was reconnecting with him like on LinkedIn, Zoom call. Hey, what are you up to? Is what I'm up to. And she said, talks about real estate investing. And he goes, real estate investing. That sounds interesting. I wish I could do that too. I just don't have the time. And she was like, just like wherewithal, a little like, you should talk to my husband. And so the, me and this guy talked. And he was like, well, what if I give you $50,000? And I'm like, you're right. What if you give me $50,000, you know? And I'm like, that's a good question. Let's, let's, let's solve that together. What if you did that? Right. And so we figured out that I should go out and find a couple of deals and he would put 50 K and do the next deals that I found. And it ended up working out really well. And so he goes and tells his friends about it. So I stumbled in. It just like happened to be one of those grace moments, you know, call it grace of God or whatever. Just like, hey, here you go. Here's some sunshine on you. Let's see if this works. And it did. And before you know it, that's where our real exponential growth occurred. Everything else was kind of stagnant. Um, so maybe uh, it, it was also, you know, it's something that really suited my personality. 
um, of like being a salesperson, being a relationship person, um, finding opportunities and negotiating them and assembling them and putting them in front of my investors and all that. So that's that worked well for me. Browbeating contractors into submission on fix and flips or um, you know grinding it out on wholesale deals. Those no none of that really spoke to me. Um, but what really got me excited was a new opportunity that needed capital to get raised and then to go assemble a marketing deck and go in, in front of those investors and get them excited about just as excited about the deal that I, as I was. And yeah. You're excited talking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, it's funny, we get a shiny, ob I wouldn't say so much that you were doing shiny objects, but sometimes shiny objects get a bad rap. You know, like, oh, don't run after those shiny objects. But sometimes you have to go through those single family, multifamily fix and flips to realize, wait a minute, that's not what I want. You know, yeah. and then, as you said, out of all those things, you kind of stumble into something naturally and it just clicks when it happens. And I'm sure mm -hmm. Liz's story would be about the same with investor as well. I probably would tell you this. I think she would. And I said, I know this is true because her husband, I'm her husband. And I saw the whole thing <laughs> unfold, right? That invest her thing was a hobby. It was just a her and Andressa decided, hey, it'd be kind of fun if we just because we were doing some business with Andressa. She's our business partner. Like, like, you know, she was running a lot of our stuff um in Philly at the time, right? And at the end of the day, her and Andressa just wanted an outlet and they wanted to serve women and they wanted to go talk to people they looked up to and admired in the real estate industry. So they started this hobby, you know? And Look at it now. It's a monster. <laughs> you know, like it's got 20, 30, fantastic. 000. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how I started. I started my learning by, by them. And I've met some fantastic ladies through that group. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm very, very thankful it's insane, for what they built. I know it's crazy yeah. how big it is. And, and it's not just yeah. in the United States. It's actually worldwide. The international. Last yeah. It's international. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. I bet if I asked her, she'd go. I never expected that to happen. No, she didn't. She's humble. No. She, she would. Yeah. Uh, I don't. It, I, I, only the most egotistical, egotistical entrepreneurs would look back at what they built and say, you see, I told you, you know, I mean, like, I, I, I think that you've also got to see that, that like, not, it's and it's not luck. It's just that like if you do so, if you do something that you enjoy and if you kind of just like just get into it with a little bit of faith and a little bit of like eh, let's see what happens, um and stick and stick to it. Eventually, you'll find the right equation that works and it'll get successful. And every here and again, you get lucky. And if you do the right thing when that luck happens, then it, you'll you'll be able to double up or quadruple up. You know, um and and that. So that's. That's uh, that's what I think happened for me, and what I also think happened for Liz it was just like a combination of hard work, perseverance, and you know, kind of not quitting when it got tough. And then eventually, you kind of, you know, like you figure out, like, okay, all these things didn't work. Let's th th this is what's been working. So let's like ten x on that thing that's working, and you grow that way. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's really cool, and I I agree. You know, I like your point about. Most of the people that I, I probably just about everybody I've talked to didn't realize that what they built was going to be as big as it was. It's mm -hmm. just that they just got into it. It clicked for them and then they kept doing it. And then sometimes it just went in a different direction yeah. than the, what they thought. And I think I at the end of the day. 
I don't know if any people would admit to that. Like, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of them looking back and say, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I intended to build. Yeah, this no, 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 whole no. Thing, I know, you know, no, I know, I know. Well, yeah, I'm always yeah. fascinated at the stories because when you listen to where people begin and then you take it over a long time horizon, like, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, they never wind up where they started. It's no. always somewhere else. And the journey along the way is just one of, you know, just one of pivoting and just embracing what's in front of you. So, yeah. you know, I just love it. So I love do it. Now, it's funny you to do. Right. I, so, I can think of a dozen stories where I was successful because I did what was in front of me to do. I got big wins by taking I was going to say, I was going to plug your show here. I got by big wins by taking small steps. Um, Liz and I wanted to move uh, a long time ago, like five years ago. Uh, we used to live in a little town called Bordentown in South Jersey, which is a great town to live in. Do you really? Where, I'm where from, are you? Well, I'm, well, actually, right now I'm in South Carolina, but I grew up in Pennsylvania. So um, I oh, originally cool. left Levittown, Fairless Hills. My sister lives in New Hope, which I'm pretty sure you guys are still... Where I'm Last standing right now, man. I'm yeah, standing you're in New Hope, my, right now. My but sister you, lives in New Hope, and I yeah. spent most of my life in Westchester, PA. Okay. Are you, yeah. in, so you in Charleston, South Carolina? Where are you? No, no, I'm outside Greenville. I'm in the okay. upstate. Yeah, we, we're looking Never to come there. back to PA. I want to come back. So. Okay. Let us know. Um, <laughs> I'm putting so it we, out there. <laughs> yeah. We lived in uh, South Jersey in Bordentown, which is a great, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Bordentown's a great town. Um, we, but we didn't have kids and we would loved about it. You could like pop out your front door and you got a bunch of restaurants and bars and coffee shops and a bike trail and you know, all that right at your front door. And there's also, it's also right on the highway. So it's super easy to get wherever you want to get from Bordentown. Like just the accessibility to anything is right there. It's like literally on the Jersey Turnpike, I could answer the what exit question like seven, right? It's right there. You know, um, it's on 295, everything. So it's great. The problem with Bordentown is it's not a good place to raise, kid, to raise kids. Um, just like a lot of other people that used to live in fun places like Hoboken or lower Manhattan or whatever. Once you get kids, you're like, ah, I guess I got to get rid of this cool house I got and um, so we lived in a little townhouse in Bordentown and we were attached to this really dilapidated, ugly house and, and a town home, you got to deal with it. You don't care. Um, but once you get kids, you're like, man, that's a little riffraff over there. And that house became so dilapidated and, and like lots of riffraff in and out that it ended up becoming abandoned. But I had become friendly with the owner cause I knew I'd been living there for years. And so uh, he had ended up on bankruptcy and a bunch of financial difficulties. And so that was a mess, but we really wanted to move. And so what was in, we wanted to get out of there and what we could have done was like, okay, let me just like say a prayer and put a for sale sign in front of the house and hopefully somebody buys it, but who's going to buy the house with that monstrosity next door to me. Right? So what the next step to do was to have a honest, authentic conversation with the owner. And so I did. I said, Hey man, you're, you, we got to do something with this. Like this has been sitting here. You're not making your payments. It's really bad shape. How can I help you with this? Cause you know that I'm in the business, right? So we negotiated that for me to buy it from him on a short sale. Right. And so meaning like I'll buy it for way less than what you owe on it. I bought it from him for 85 K he owed 450 K on it. Right? I know. And it wasn't worth 450 k let me put it that way. It wasn't worth that. It just, he had refied it and refied it and refied it up and done like, you know, push the mortgage down, push the mortgage back. So he was never going to get anywhere near out from under it, right? He needed to short sell it. 
And so that was what the first thing that was in front of me to do. And then the next things in front of me to do was let me, I'll close on the house and I will fix it up. And so I found a bank that would lend to me on it. And Liz and I put some of our own capital in and stuff like that. And we found a way to fix it up. And you know, we were not in a solid, we were in an okay financial picture. You know, she had just quit her job at the time and I was just kind of getting my, getting my feet back, you know, just, just get, you know, getting our equity business going up and running and growing faster and stuff like that. So we weren't like super flush, but we figured it out, you know, we kind of went all in on fixing up our neighbor's house and we did fix it up got it uh got it up and running put it on the market for sale got a buyer and we're able to profit significantly from that now i've got a beautiful fixed up house here uh and i've got our house that's already in good condition liz and i kept it up so we put that on the market didn't know we were going to go so we started searching around and we found new hope and whatever and this is a story of just getting small steps right that's what that's what i do i do this and the next step was I got to find where we're going to go. So we started surfing around uh, New Hope, meet some realtors and everything like that. And we'd actually done a lot of that. When we were fixing the neighbor's house, we we're still like, well, where are we going to go? If we, you know, this is starting to shape up here, what should we do? So as I think about it, we had met some realtors in the New Hope area. We knew what we wanted. We also looked at Newtown, be familiar, just all good school system areas in Pennsylvania where we wanted to go. And it was just like, you know, just kind of follow the tea leaves, follow where you're feeling pulled. And we were starting to feel pulled towards new hope. And this is kind of where, like, I kind of feel like the magnet was pulling us a little bit. And so, um, we looked at a bunch of houses, made some offers, you know, couldn't afford a lot of the houses that were in, in these markets and stuff like that. So like, I don't know if we can do it. Then our realtor calls us, Hey, this is right up your alley. It's a bank owned foreclosure on a cul-de-sac in the neighborhood that you guys have, that that's the top end neighborhood that you guys have been wanting to live in. You didn't think you could afford it, but this is a bank on foreclosure in that neighborhood. Right. And this is while we were just wrapping up, fixing the neighbor's house. We're about to put our house on the market and we're like, let's do it. We may, you know, of course my all, awesome wife, God lover makes the offer on the, they were asking like 450 K on the house. She turns in a low ball of like 380. I just, just cause she's just my real estate investor wifey. Well, they shoot it that nice, but they shoot it down. They're like, no. So they, they went under contract with somebody else, right? That buyer falls through and the realtor that had us gets another phone call and says, Hey, if you're, this is a bank on foreclosure, it's going to go quick. They're, the bank's dropping the price a little bit. If you guys want it, you know, you just, I'm going to give it to your buyer first. Cause they were the second bidder. So I gave Liz a lecture. I was like, listen, cause she was in charge of this part of the project. You know, she was our, and I, I didn't realize she'd made a low ball until we got declined. Um, and, uh, I said, listen, it's, this is not a real estate investment. This is a home. So let's just give them what they're asking. Give them a nice clean. This is, you know, this is the house we want. So let's just do it. And so we did, and we got the house. And so, but then we had to sell our house and everything like that. And so that's like just more even smaller steps in there, but long winding journey, we ended up getting out from under this arrangement with a bunch of, you know, knuckleheads living next door to us in the townhouse in Bordentown with two kids that we didn't want to live in anymore. You know, we wanted to, we wanted to move and get them in a better school system. And now we're in one of the best school systems in the region on a cul-de-sac in a house that we fixed up. You know, because, and we used all of our, it's what we do. We fix stuff and we fix real estate. So it was like, it was like planted here for Matt and Liz to buy. That's the way we feel, wow. right? That's a great so, story. Yeah, yeah. But it was only through small steps. Small steps. Yeah. And, and looking, 
and and looking for opportunity and seeing that the small steps sometimes are right in front of you, but sometimes you have to see them too. You know, they're right in front of you, but you have yeah. to you have to be able to see it, and you have to sometimes walk in faith and mm-hmm. not you know not question the small step that's well, you in heard front of like you. The- I think it's Martin Luther King that said this, right? And maybe this is where you got some inspiration from your name there. But like, you know, Martin Luther King, I think, said that you don't have to see the whole uh, ladder, just take the first step, right? Or maybe it's not the ladder or the path or whatever it is. But you don't have to see all of it. All you got to do is just know what know what the next move you got to make is. Um, and, and not to like make it too spiritual here, but a pastor I heard years ago said that God only gives you a lantern. So you can see just a little bit of what's in front of you. If God gave you a flashlight so you could see miles ahead of you, you would be absolutely terrified. Um, That's why God only gives you a lantern so you can see just a little bit enough so that you can see just what your next thing to do is. Just do that. And then you do that thing and you know what? The lantern moves along with you. Now you see what the next thing is. You do that step and then you see the next thing, right? And, That's a great picture. That's a great yeah. visual, really carrying that lantern one small step, take the step in front of you. And yeah. a lot of that is, and I've heard very similar, and you're walking by faith, yeah. not necessarily by fi- by sight, but you're walking by faith, yeah. which you don't have to see it all. And you actually mentioned that earlier, talking about if you had known 18 years ago, all the things that you would have gone through to get to today, you would have just dropped over you know, or gave up or something. You wouldn't oh, have walked wouldn't that have. path. You know, I, I, would, I would have I would have gone and hidden under my car, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I we don't want to. Yeah. I mean, like I tell everybody, think back, you know, think back where you were 10 years ago, go back five years ago. You don't even have to go that far, you know, to yeah. realize that, wait a minute, life isn't as static as we think it is. Life like a year ago. I think about where I was two years yeah. ago. I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah. Different place. And just if you keep taking those small steps on a day to day basis, they, they continue yeah. to add up. Absolutely. Matt, I've got a fun question for you. So you've been in real estate a long time. Um, So if you could not do anything with real estate at all, like nothing, absolutely nothing, what career would you have chosen instead? Oh, I, uh, it's funny. I I wonder where you got this idea from. Um, You know, (laughs) Uh, it's a great question. Captain America. That would be Captain America. I love Captain America. He's my favorite superhero 10 times over um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but that's not what you asked me. You asked me about what, what career would I be? Um, you know, I uh, have tried a few different careers before I got into real estate investing and a few that really spoke to me. Uh, I used to be a music promoter and I wonder where my life would have gone had I gotten into music promotion. When I was in college, I like I was like big time. I was promoting like the Dave Matthews band or something like that. But um, I had a few buddies that had bands and I, they couldn't they, and they couldn't put a full sentence together because most of the time they weren't sober enough to do it. Right. So I would go and like, but I was like the sober friend. Right. So I would go and negotiate deals for them to play in venues for them. And I would connect, collect the money on the door. I was the one they could trust. Uh, and they knew I wouldn't steal from them and, and whatnot. So I would figure out those arrangements for them. We also had a few big parties and stuff like that, that we had lots of bands play at and we arranged and put the whole thing together. So I did that a few times uh, in my career. And I wonder where my life would have gone had I pursued that. But I did, I kind of chickened out and pursued my degree, which was in real estate, which was, I'm sorry, not real estate, was in engineering. So I did that for a while. 
Um, but I wonder where my life would have gone had I stuck with the music business, right? Um, and so I think that I would have liked that. I also had a radio show when I was in college. Um, and so I actually liked that so much that I tried to get a job, but didn't pursue it too hard at the local radio station. When I lived, I moved to Greensboro when I was a traveling engineer once I graduated college and I tried to get a night job at the local radio station in Greensboro, but, um, it didn't go very far. Uh, so those things. And then, uh, another thing when I, um, was a more successful traveling sales engineer. Uh, I also knew it wasn't speaking to me. Uh, I didn't like it, even though it was making me good money. And so I considered quitting to go back to school to become a teacher because I really enjoyed teaching, which I think, I think is kind of what I do now in some ways. Like I, I like to teach and convey and stuff like that. Um, but I really loved physics so much in high school, so much that I envisioned myself perhaps becoming a physics teacher one day. So, wow. Uh, so all that from engineer to real estate investor. Yeah. That's just cause yeah. Liz, I, that's easy. That's just cause Riz, Liz put rich dad, poor dad in my hand. Um, <laughs> you are not easy. the only one. That book you. has caused more people to quit their jobs than yes. it is out there. I know. Well, Matt, as we start to wrap up, cause I want to be mindful of your time. Um, I ask you, I ask three questions of my guests. The first one oh, is what question or topic do you wish I would have asked about and how would you have answered the question or expanded the topic? That's it, man. What a good question. Um, I, uh, I, I think that. Like I, I just great questions could be, uh, you know, things like, what do you do with your spare time? Because I think it's, nobody ever asked me like, what, what, what are your hobbies? Like, what do you do outside of What are your life? hobbies? Now, I can't imagine you having any because you're just so I do. busy. <laughs> hey, dog. We hang out. I, I love my dog. We have a little golden doodle. Uh, she's, she's Liz's nice. third child, really. But I love yeah. our little dog. I have I, two um, fur babies. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I make my own wine. Um, I'm very into fitness and I think, I think it's kind of a hobby too. It's like a, like a habit. Right. Um, and so I try and work out or break a sweat once a day. Um, and that, and so, and other than that, and that's it, I've tried coaching my kid's soccer team. The problem with that is I'm really terrible at soccer. Uh, I don't really understand the sport. So that's, what that <laughs> that's where you me. defer to the experts. Uh, what's a book you'd recommend that mm. everyone should read? And we already touched on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know if there's, there's another one, and I'm sure there's another one there. No, no, no. I, I like lean a lot on my faith uh, with regards to taking the first, like taking steps, the whole lantern analogy and stuff like that. And so, does it, regardless of what like denominational faith you are, um, I think a book that everyone should read that's not it's a non denominational book, but makes you realize we're all kind of like reading off the same script and we all kind of want the same things out of life um, is a book called Conversations with God, um, written by Neil Donald Walsh. And whether you believe that he's really having a conversation with God or not doesn't matter. What matters is the words that he is speaking in there and everything like that. And it's a phenomenal book to make you realize kind of why we're here and why we're doing what we're doing and everything like that. So I recommend, I recommend everybody read that book. It should be necessary reading for life. Oh, awesome. And last question from your story, what's one thing that my listeners can do today that'll help them change their tomorrow? What advice do you want to leave us with? Um, Write down your one, three, and five-year goals immediately. Just what you want life to look like in one, three, and five years from now. It'll just help you focus. I've done that, and then I put those goals in a drawer, you know, uh, and then ten years later pulled them out, and I pretty much was exactly living the life I'd written down. 
you know? Um, and so funny, th I think that there's cosmic tumblers that go into place when you start writing down what you want, um, call it subconscious, call it whatever you want, but just life starts to direct towards that love. When you, when you put things in writing, it's just, it's just, it, there's a certain cosmic, uh, you know, pebble that gets dropped in the water when you do, when you write something down like that. So write down your one, three and five year goals. I love the picture of the cosmic pebble. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, about your goals, yeah. do you look at them often? Yes. After I you do. write them down? Yeah. I, that's well, what I thought. Okay. That's what I've heard. I, I have a whole goal thing that I do. But yeah, I write down my goals and then I translate my annual goals into weekly actions that I want to take. And so I have a weekly planner that I yeah, plan out my week every week. And then I plan out my, then I go plan it each day. And I'm kind of a dork. I got my little day planner in front of me here. I mean, I'm, I do I, the same thing down to the yeah. hour. <laughs> They're I little have a blocks. system that I make up. Yeah, I have a system that I made up for myself, and and that. So, um, but it tends to work, and it helps me stay focused because I'm I'm not the, if left to my own druthers, I wouldn't be as focused as I am with systems. You know. Right. Right. Well, thanks for sharing all that, Matt. Um, how can people reach out to you? Um, the best place to hear more about our company, the passive investing options that we give, the the education options that we give is on our website. Uh, and that's Derosa, D-E-R-O-S-A group.com, DeRosaGroup.com. Or they can just follow me on Instagram because I constantly put a lot of my stuff out there. And that's the Matt Faircloth. Sorry, other Matt Faircloths because I am the Matt Faircloth. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Thanks. And we didn't yeah. even get a chance to unpack um, you know, the Zerosa group today either. And I, I wanted to That's go fine. there as well. So have me on again, Sue. I'll I am. It. Yeah. And you're then. just going to have to book again. And then, you know, yeah, maybe it might be fun to have Liz on at the same time. That would be We're a working fun on podcast some collabs too. And that. So if you want to yeah. reach out to Liz about that, Liz and I are doing some things together yeah. as husband and wife it. that will benefit other husband and wives, husband and wife entrepreneurs. We are very passionate about that equation of people. Mm -hmm. So we want to yeah. do our best to help those people out there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And then it just fits under small steps, big wins. So, you know, sure does. Game, you can come and talk about whatever you guys would love to. So love that. I, I, me too. Me too. Matt, again, thanks so much for your time. This has been a lot of fun and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Small Steps Big Wins podcast. I value your time with me and I seek to make every moment count. In order to make lasting change in your life, listening is usually not enough. So I want to ask you, what practical steps are you going to put into action today as a result of listening to this podcast? Remember, any step, any action, no matter how small, starts your journey to a big win. And if you're not sure where to get started, reach out to me and let's have a conversation. Until next time, love yourself, then love others. Peace.